Previously on X-Men. If they don't end up going with Daniel Bryan as the focal point of WWE for the next year, they did a very good job of pretending they were going to for a few <laughs> days because enough has happened that I'm allowed to be cynical again. Aren't you already upset at the temerity of the company to take the title off of Daniel Bryan and put it on Brock Lesnar just so Roman Reigns can beat him and be the tall guy they always wanted? I mean, listen, that is fully what I expect to happen. One of the uh, talking points is, um, oh, which member of the former S.H.I.E.L.D. will be left behind? Maybe people won't pick up on Roman Reigns. Well, what do you think of Roman Reigns? Because it seems like his trajectory is pretty laid out now. It would seem Brock wins the belt, I guess, at SummerSlam. Reigns wins the Rumble, and then you have the big showdown with Reigns going over. Reigns, by himself, just doesn't seem like as much of a shining star as he did when he was doing hot tags and being in a cool group of three guys. The jury is out. I do feel like there seems to be something missing from him. Like, I don't know if he seems less confident, a little bit less cool, a little bit more prefabricated. With, with a guy like Ambrose or a guy like Brian, don't you feel like the crowds would get way like more behind one of those guys going up against Lesnar? And you do it with Roman Reigns, I don't think there'd be the same degree of emotion. I could be wrong, though. to do it though are you sure we cannot just do a podcast about unbreakable kimmy schmidt instead Mm, i haven't watched it yet so it would be difficult for me let me recap it off for you (laughs) list them and learn top top 10 episodes of the unbreakable kimmy schmidt um okay this is part three of the daniel bryan diaries you and i've been doing well sort of i'd say it's part three of a trilogy about the death of our innocence. Part two would be titled The Daniel Bryan Diaries. Mm. And this one would be entitled Daniel Bryan 2. Part three. Escape from Alcatraz. Mm. It's in San Francisco, right? <laughs> yeah. It's Escape to Alcatraz. First of all, for you to insinuate that you have any jurisdiction in naming which part this is, is pretty unbecoming but i digress um 
this is I I think it is the Daniel Bryan diaries though. I think this year is like the Empire Strikes Back version where everything uh went bad. It's like a dystopian future of our Daniel Bryan experience. You you sort of get the impression that we can already declare that what's happening now is going to go down as one of those notoriously bad wrestle crappy periods. Yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of had this conversation for a few years that mm-hmm. WWE doesn't really know what it's doing. I think we started, uh, what, three years ago, where you took yeah. the side that wrestling was doing all right, and I was like, wrestling kind of sucks now. And I'd like to say that I feel like I've been proven right, except, you know, New Japan's great, and, uh, you know, PWG's rocking, and CML is good, and Lucha Underground is a thing that I've heard of, and TNA has good matches sometimes, but WWE is, like, the worst. And... Maybe entertainment-wise, it's not the worst they've ever been, but in terms of, like, having, squandering everything and really not doing a good job with anything and then not even picking up uh, for that, you know, Royal Rumble to WrestleMania period and getting their act together, I think things seem pretty bleak even from just like a long-term perspective now, more than I think they've had in a long time or ever, maybe. All of the post-Tude era, certainly people have been dissatisfied except for some pockets here and there, but I would say of any of those 15 years, except for 2001, when they went from so good to so bad so rapidly and burned through so many things and made, made so many mistakes that people weren't used to them making... And then maybe the 2007 year that was just plagued in, in scandal and death and Nancy Grace uh, and uh, them being just looking like complete idiots in front of people who are already pretty dim to begin with, <laughs> like, like uh, con- Congress people and, and cable news yeah, ladies. I was say, and Nancy Grace, I mean, if you look like an idiot in front of Nancy Grace, it's, it's, I'd say that's really difficult to do. <laughs> right. They had them just dead to rights. They were that like, out of the bubble and exposed. But this year, so many things accumulating at once, or not even so much accumulating because they're all interrelated. Uh, this is the year. This would be a good year to make a YouTube parody video based on the death of WCW called The Death of... Uh, or The Rise and Fall of WWE. Did you see that? Um, no, I didn't. Was it? Oh, it's pretty awesome. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. After this podcast. Great. What a teaser. It's uh it's all there. Like it's just amazing. I'm going to get the link for you as we speak. So really instead of just this podcast, you should just watch that video. Yeah, please. Um but if you decide that you want to listen to the podcast because like, I don't know, you you're you're driving or doing work and can't watch something. Comes up in the old queue. Yeah, I guess you can uh you can listen to listen to us talk about it instead. Yeah, I mean the the big thing is like, forget about Daniel Bryan. They're trying to make me, am I right? Now, the only thing, I mean, like, what are they doing well? Rusev? <laughs> like, what, is that the only person that they're doing a good job of pushing? That's the other thing is uh, I feel like not just Daniel Bryan diary-wise, but for a full year we've been talking about Roman Reigns and how maybe this isn't going to work. And I would say it's worked even less than I expected it would. Well, it's not – I mean – Roman Reigns could have worked. I I really don't think there's anything so wrong with Roman Reigns that he couldn't have gotten over in this position. I think they just they just have totally lost all sense of 
how to do anything. I mean, honestly, the shield breaking up was good for Seth Rollins, probably, in a lot of ways. But it was bad for everyone else. And I'd say not the least of which would be Roman Reigns, who was just had so much momentum, had so much confidence, was so over. And then, I mean, there was a, there were a few strange things. First of all, they broke up the Shield. Are we are we sure at this point why they did that? I mean, does it was it just that the idea that a guy can't get over as a top star if he's part of a group? It was sort of too fast that I think one is that they were ready to do that at the end of the year before, and the Shield, according to Seth on I want to say Jericho's podcast, Rollins said they went to management and said, "Don't break us up yet. We have a babyface run," and that's how we got those extra um, three shows with them together when they should have been having a three-way at WrestleMania last year. And then they were just so dead set on doing it because Roman baby, Roman's the savior. Roman's going to take us to the promised land that they just finally had to uh, go full steam ahead. And the other is that um, I think the rise of Roman Reigns was going to be more subtle if Brian was around. And instead, when he got hurt and disappeared, they wanted to make Reigns the number two babyface immediately. So it was like, guess what? Roman Reigns is a singles act, and you love him so much. Yeah, and I mean, that's... But then, like, immediately, you could see that guy's confidence, like, disappear, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just... I remember thinking this as early as, like, July. Oh, yeah. That he doesn't look like a main eventer anymore. And I really thought that he did before that. I, I, when people said Roman Reigns is going to be the next guy they're pushing, I was like... I mean, it sucks that they can't just go with Brian as long as he's over. But as far as as someone else, Roman Reigns seems like the next most popular guy. And they... Not like he sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he, they, they just blew it. I don't think Roman Reigns really sucks. Uh, do you think Roman Reigns sucks? Well, I book my guests, like, again, cable news style, so we only take extreme positions. So I will just say, yes, he's terrible. I want him to go away and die. I'll play that that role if you want. Okay. Um, right now he does. He's certainly, like, he's so flat, and there's just, like, nothing behind those eyes. <laughs> uh, no matter how many weird backstories they have him do in, like, emotional sit-down testimonials. So he sucks as a character. Is that what you're saying? Or yeah. are you saying he sucks as a performer? Uh, character. I think performer just being handed the main event and saying, okay, go for it. He's definitely not up to that standard. But if he was in any other spot, and maybe even necessarily saying a main event title match, but this thing that's been built up for a year against the biggest heel they've uh, established, all for him, like all for his sake, he's he's not even close to, to what he needs to be. Well, the funny thing is, like, I thought that him getting injured in uh, September would actually help him a lot because it would keep him from being overexposed but they managed to just overexpose him anyway like yeah. like they did exactly what people said that they should have just done with Brock Lesnar where they kept having him do promos and the promos were just all terrible and they were terrible after he came back too but it just it just seems like Roman Reigns could have been a no-brainer as far as how to push him like they could have just given him like either if they had to break up the shield like, 
have him be Goldberg, right? Wouldn't that make the most sense? Just have him not really talk much, destroy people, you know, more like, you know, slowly give him some more time to tell his story. And then by the time that they come to WrestleMania, he hasn't had a bunch of terrible matches and terrible promos. I I mean, I don't know if that would have like fixed everything because he still had the the Brian factor, but I think it would have fixed some things. It would have certainly fixed, I think, your perception of him at the very, like people like you. I don't know. What do you think of that? People like me. Yeah, juice. Juice. <laughs> we, there, I think the psychology with the audience really resents overdogs. So it's hard to say what is the tipping point for that. Um, fans still definitely get into people who just destroy and, and wreak havoc upon the land. I think, though, once it... There's like the perception that you're the the suck up favored child, then people start to hold it against you, uh, no matter what you're doing. But I think he's sort of going back to last year, almost the the evil version of Daniel Bryan's story last year, because it, I believe it started at the Slammies. Like with Bryan, the Bryan story was sort of, if not going away, at least had maybe lost a lot of the whole spirit of the cause or whatever you want to call it and then the slammy deal happened in seattle where triple h's uh magical belt ceremony was completely ruined by those ingrates and this year it started the slammies when roman reigns who had had a singles match and then a four-month um absence was named the superstar of the year out of all the superstars and that was the point when i feel like the true blue fan base said, now wait a minute. And so from there, I guess his equivalent of the Brian and the Wyatts in the cage was probably his uh, Suffering Succotash or Magic Beanstalks promo because that's right before the Royal Rumble and you said, oh boy, this is going to be a big mistake. And then um, you also had like, Daniel is the opposite of Batista when the true champion shows up as the guy who should have won. And then you had uh, the Rumble itself. So he's, um, it's hard to say just what the psychology is of how much people are going to, going to resent, um, people who aren't seen as fighting against the system. Yeah. But there was, there was probably a way they could have stealthily had him rise to the ranks without kind of shoving it down everyone's throat that this this is your new favorite man. <laughs> I, I mean, I think probably him having great six-man tags with the Shield up until now could have kind of shielded him, no pun intended, a little bit from, from, from the backlash. What do you think of that? For sure. You brought up July, and I know that's all people were talking about in July – was Dean Ambrose was the one who started getting these um, organic pops, I guess, which are delicious, by the way. That's, I think, whole grain, <laughs> and you can make it. Uh, so that, this sort of grassroots Ambrose thing actually made it seem at the time like Ambrose and Reigns was going to be this version of that historic struggle. Like, uh, you know how all the Legends of Zelda have a Link and a Zelda, and they're different people, apparently? Uh-huh. 
Yeah. So this is that. This is like uh, Brett and Luger and Brett and Diesel and uh, Batista and Orton, which is the weird one because it's like Batista is the the fans' true choice and Punk and who knows everybody, Punk and Bobby Lashley, Punk and Del Rio, Brian and Sheamus, Brian and Batista, Ambrose and Reigns, and maybe that'll be the long version of the story. But now it definitely came to a head as as Brian and Reigns. Uh, but yes, all his. Not just his weaknesses were exposed then, but the big warning sign also happened that July when Roman Reigns went from the silent badass, the bestower of spears, to uh, a guy who pranked Vicky Guerrero something fierce, gave her some diarrhea medicine as you carry around in your shield vest frequently, (laughs) and uh, with some eyebrow raises to the camera, he delighted the WWE Universe with his hijinks, and that was probably the true point when it was like, gulp, this could be bad. Uh, the new John Cena is just a brunette John, yeah, Cena. John Cena. I'm sorry, I was mostly distracted because I was looking at Google image pictures of Yummy Earth organic pops. Uh, <laughs> they, have pom- they have pomegranate pucker, perfectly peach, strawberry smash, very, very cherry. They are not whole grain, but they do con- contain 100% daily vitamin C per serving, and they are 100% vegan. And someone on the Today Show, the food editor, I can't see his name in this picture, Phil Lampert, said they are the best, capital B-E-S-T, lollipop I've ever tasted. Well, if Lampert's on board, then I'm on board. Gluten-free, fat-free, nut-free. You ever have um, lollipops that had nuts in them? Hmm. What are Tootsie Rolls made out of? Not nuts. Nuts, right? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but yeah, no. It's just ro- That's just rolled Tootsie, as I understand it. Yes, well, but... or. or <laughs> But uh, but beyond the organic pops, um, I was actually going to get to Dean Ambrose as like just almost a separate story in this. So you zoned out of my soliloquy to look at pops. No, I um, no. You got to have your pops. You do. But no, I um, no, I heard the soliloquy. But <laughs> but I uh, but I feel like the fact that it ended up being Brian versus Reigns goes to the fact that they messed up so badly with Ambrose. Right. Um, as far as um, what they can do now with Roman Reigns, though, like that's sort of what I was thinking about. Do you think it's just like a lost? People are talking about Roman Reigns like he's a lost cause, and I just, you know, I'm not into what he's doing now, <laughs> but I don't think he's a lost cause. I think that I think that there's there's something that you could salvage with him, whether it be from turning him heel to just to just having him involved in better stuff. I mean, he's been spending so much of the past couple months booked shittily and having matches with the big show and Kane. Of course he's not going to, you know, of course people aren't going to be into him. Like it's possible that if he was interacting more with Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman, people would be more into what he was doing because they're dynamic performers and the big show and Kane, you know, are not. And he on his own is not. And the stuff with Brian wasn't exactly well booked. And he just hasn't been doing anything interesting. So I don't know how people can say, like, give up on Roman Reigns now. Because with better booking, there's a lot to him. You know, he, he, he did get over once upon a time when he was booked well. I think what's fallen so flat is his positioning as that 
sounds to me like a newfangled term that's come up, and then people say it like we've been saying it for 20 years, but the the promotional ace, you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, all the great aces of history. Uh, Him just all of a sudden being thrust in that and seeing it immediately, like, diminishing into the background, while Roman all of a sudden becomes, like, the announcers uh, get hearts in their eyes for, just in a sudden switch like switching like buckingham palace guards partway through january is what has has felt so weird and that's like such a lost cause now and to your question of what's to be done with him um when i talked to joe gagney ever heard of him who went to money in the bank and that was sort of where the the ambrose uh reigns pop dichotomy really uh was emblematized nicely that's where we sort of said I had Joe predict his future, and I offered him like, is he going to be a Cena, a Batista, or an Orton? And I, I saw it as like Cena was just great. That's what they want. He's the new standard bearer for a decade, and he's the guy who gets dim pops. And Batista was more of like successful main eventer, never became the face of the company in the way that Cena did. And then with Randy, I saw it more as their hand-picked guy who they continue pushing because he's their hand-picked guy where it's like impossible for him to fail. So we're going to be getting a lot of Roman Reigns on top no matter what. And that's more or less where he or I landed and that's more or less how I'm seeing it right now is like it's not like he's just going to be abandoned and become a mid-card man. But this deal right now, either they can just plow forward and hope for the best delusionally, as they have been for the last couple months, or the easy solution, I think, is to make him your heel world champion after WrestleMania, and then boom, you've got your main event heel who everyone resents. Uh, And then from there you can get into whatever you like, Matt, in terms of more ambitious ideas. I think it might be interesting because, as you said, Ambrose has been so fucked up. If there's a storyline way to just reunite all three S.H.I.E.L.D. guys as the main event heals again and see what happens. Uh, That would be a great idea, actually, but then who's your baby face? Uh, John Cena and Daniel Bryan, evidently. Well, I'm going to tell you, Justin, and... What? I'm going to hate to break it to you. No. I don't think that they want Daniel Bryan to be your main event babyface. <laughs> oh, well, that, don't worry. Dolph Ziggler's right okay, there. Okay, yeah, of course. I think there's there's some evidence to suggest that. Might, I don't know. Um, I, um, as far as Roman Reigns, for him to be Randy Orton, as much as I find Randy Orton to be boring and have found him to be boring for a long time, the guy is fundamentally a really good WWE-style worker in the ring. And I think for Roman Reigns to be that Got that guy, and like they keep going back to him. He needs to get a lot better in the ring, and I don't know who they're planning on putting him with to get him that way. Because obviously he made a lot of progress just being in tag matches with the Shield, but now he needs to work against somebody who can actually get him up to snuff. And I guess they think maybe it's Seth Rollins, um, but Seth Rollins. You know, I, I don't know how much longer they're going to go with him. He seems like in a weird position because they obviously built him to basically be the top heel in the company as far as ac- actual wrestlers because Triple H doesn't really wrestle. And they haven't had the Money in the Bank briefcase, but it seems like all of their storylines don't really allow for him to have a reign. No pun intended. <laughs> because um, 
because Roman Reigns is probably going to win the title at WrestleMania. And then you'd think that they'd want him to keep the title for a long time and not just get screwed out of it by Seth Rollins within like a couple months. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know who would be the guy positioned with Roman to get him into that, up to that level as far as a worker. Um, and without that, I don't think that his character work can really sustain himself as a top guy if he's not over. So I think if this doesn't work, I do kind of worry that they will give up on him. And I actually, because of that, feel kind of bad for him because he really had so much going for him and he really had such a good shot. And he was, they, they, I don't know if they just they did it too fast or they just did it wrong, but they, they blew it so badly with him. And, you know, they obviously will talk about all the other guys they blew it with, but Roman Reigns, I did not expect them to blow it with the way they did. If we had had this conversation in December, I think the the subsequent rumble completely <laughs> shattered the bar as far as how, like, off the mark they can be, or whatever Dave said, Meltzer, I, we're on a first-name basis, <laughs> on that audio after it, one of the pay-per-views. Fast rumble Fast 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 Yeah, where it was like, Vince is behind, he's not even ahead of the curve with dumb shits. Yeah, which is... I don't know. I mean, I, that must be like a, a '70s expression. <laughs> but that it was it though. Like the way that rumble played out, it was like you really have no idea if you think that Brian going out with no controversy. So of course the crowd will be like, "Oh, guess Brian just didn't have it. What a shame." <laughs> Moving on, and then Big Show and Kane getting heat by knocking out other crowd favorites, Ambrose and Ziggler, and dumping them. Surely, Matt, they'll rally behind Roman Reigns when he writes this injustice. And to lay out that match in that way, yeah, not even ahead of the curve with dumb shits. No, the, 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 ro- the dumb shits would have known better. The Royal Rumble 2015 will forever be held up as like an example of just not knowing how to book for your audience. I mean, not only all the stuff you said, but not realizing that they were in Philadelphia and, like, no disrespect to Pittsburgh, but Philadelphia is, like, way beyond Pittsburgh as far as the way they react to things like that. And, I mean, they weren't as gung-ho for Daniel Bryan, maybe, as the Pittsburgh crowd was, but they sure as shit were as much against the idea of Roman Reigns as anyone was for Batista, which well, which is insane, oh, Sorry, which is insane to me because... Batista was a terrible idea for lots of obvious reasons. And to me, it wasn't so obvious that Roman Reigns was a terrible idea. And they, um, and I mean, clearly I was off on that because I feel like, I felt like, oh, you know what? You know, they should stick with Roman Reigns. I mean, at least he's a current guy. Whereas Batista just came in out of nowhere and leapfrogged the entire roster for no good reason. But man, they, I mean, I just had underestimated at that point how badly they destroyed Roman Reigns. That's also with regards to Philadelphia. Oh, for one thing, though, hey, let's talk about Stanley Cup since 1975. It's Pittsburgh 3, Philly 0. Uh, uh, they, uh, we knew since about September that this was going to be in Philadelphia, and that, that whole thing played out like, oh, it's, it's like a parody version of what someone would have suggested they do to be that uh, behind the curve with dumb shits. And then they actually did it. It was it was almost like a parody, like exaggerated version of the previous year's Royal Rumble. Right, <laughs> and um, then uh, the Rumble was like a true disaster. 
I think the the Daniel Bryan concession speech to Roman Reigns was almost as embarrassing because, again, the thought process that this will just work, like Daniel Bryan will go and say, I lost, sir. I'm sorry. You were right. And I hereby encourage the entire Yes movement to get behind you. Well, it maybe didn't work as far as getting people behind Roman Reigns, but it definitely seems to have worked in getting people to not give a shit about Daniel Bryan anymore. And I think that might have been their goal as much as anything, just to be like, well, let's get this motherfucker out of our hair. And that's why I don't, that's why I don't see Daniel Bryan becoming the number two babyface, even if Roman Reigns turns heel, because I think they actually, at least for the time being, effectively gotten Daniel Bryan to the point where he's no more over than any of the other assholes on the roster. And that's a, that's a feat that they did that. That's a real impressive feat. They're, it's amazing how terrible they are at getting people over and how incredibly uh, incredibly successful they are at destroying people's heat if they have that goal. Now, why they would ever have that goal, I don't know, but they clearly do, and they did it with a plum. Mm. I like a, a plum-favored pop. Do you have any of those on Google Images? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think it's a small sample size at this point. I know Dave's article... Again, Meltzer, that's weird. But when you and I talk about Dave in private, in our quarters, <laughs> we just call him Dave, so that works. Um, I, somet- yeah. I sometimes will add a, uh, an adjective before his name, like big. Mm. I, should, I actually don't do that, but I should. Nice. Please start. Can also get some, some fun alliteration there. Just like the pops. <laughs> uh, the, um, <laughs> I think right now it's kind of a small sample size. Uh, although Dave's article if I remember right, was more about the window for him to actually like run with all the momentum and, and halfways capitalize on it to the extent they could. And yeah, almost certainly that window has closed. Uh, but I think he's going to have a cockroach quality to him. Like there's a long period um, for Brett there, Hart, we're again on this <laughs> first name basis, <laughs> where if you look at when he first won the belt in 92 to... Uh, even at the end in 97 when he was called back uh, from his Lonesome Dove vacation, there were plenty of times when uh, I think Brett was was elbowed out and then found his way back. So if you want to continue with that, like, history repeat itself, I think he's going to be around. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Brett was already a made man by that point, though. I think that's that's a pretty important difference. Brian got the great moment, but really, if you look into it, he really didn't get any more than Chris Benoit got. In the end, geez, that sounds morbid. Um, but but he really didn't. He got the WrestleMania win. He didn't even get the Royal Rumble win. And then he was kind of because he got hurt, kind of just disappeared. I mean, he wrestled Kane at a pay per view like Benoit, and then just shuffled off into a multi person ladder match next year's WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't know if comparing Brian to Bret Hart is really the com- the apt comparison because. Also, the de- another big difference is, and I said this last year, remember we were talking after Brian won the belt, and you were like, well, at the very least, I don't care because Brian got the moment. We, got, we won this one. And I was like, well, it matters because they spent years and years and years doing start and stop pushes. So it, like Brian winning a main event at WrestleMania doesn't matter because they've had so many guys do that. They've, and, and, and the guys who haven't done that, they've had guys main event SummerSlams or win titles, or they have the Miz main event WrestleMania. And then all of a sudden, they're back in the mid-card so quickly. And so Brian's just another one of those guys now. 
like he might have been way more over than any of them at a certain point, but now he's just another one of those guys that that happened to. And why anyone would see him differently? I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that that it, I don't know why anyone would see him any differently than a Rob Van Dam, who was pretty pretty over and never got back to that point ever again, or a um, you know. I mean, hmm. well, I mean, I guess you'd see more as a more than a Kofi Kingston, but you know, I mean, Dolph Ziggler. They put the title on him. Does anyone even remember that that he actually won the world title like years before he won it in 2012? And like that, and it made, it made no difference in how people saw him. Um, maybe this, maybe the most recent time did, but the 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 didn't he win it in like 2010? Well, he had kind of a fake one where he won it by disqualification, and then no one, I think, knew it was a recognized title reign until they came back on the next SmackDown and said, "Oh yeah, Dolph has been the champion this week," and then he lost it back to Edge. Still, like at that at that point, he was nothing but a total mid carder for another two years. So. I don't know why. What, what makes you think that Brian at this point will be seen any differently? Then Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston. I think he's a, a tier above that. What I said with a lot of confidence last year was maybe not that he was going to become like a co-John Cena, but that like Edge and then the 2008 version of Jericho, once he got in, he was just going to be an important act, uh, an anchor guy like one of the top three, and um, that's why his positioning in six from the top at WrestleMania after he was fifth from the top the year before was so astounding, and extra astounding when it was not like the Sheamus match, which, say what you will about that, at least was he was like a logical opponent if everyone else important was taken for Daniel Bryan. Um, he'd like, you know, right the wrongs of the past, or Ziggler, where at least there was a storyline to end the challenge of having a great match to sink their teeth into, but now he is actually in a match with R-Truth and Stardust. And, uh, like, even when Benoit was in that Money in the Bank, and yes, the, the coincidences are downright inconceivable, but all those guys, even Shelton Benjamin, it was before they'd kind of given up on him, that was, like, the protected crop of people, uh, like, the next tier down all in, in one important match. Yeah, yeah this probably is, the least protected guy in that lot was, like, Christian. Right. Whereas this is the Intercontinental title, which um, I saw amazingly likened to uh, the Final Fantasy III Curse Shield, which drops all your stats if you equip it. <laughs> but if you wear it for 256 straight uh, TV jobs, then it turns into the Smoking Skull Belt. So that's exciting. <laughs> but... Um, so yeah, Intercontinental title and R-Truth, that's, uh, that's some kind of something. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, I'm at the point now where I genuinely believe that they brought Daniel Bryan back before WrestleMania just to make sure that he wasn't over anymore. And like, I know it sounds like a weird conspiracy theory, but I, how, how can you say that's implausible at this point, that they're just trying to kill him? This definitely will be good for my uh, show philosophy of booking extreme positions because it's probably the most extreme one you can take, right? Uh-huh. So I can at least m- maybe not go that far. I um, I think it's pretty unprecedented for a babyface of his level to end up in that kind of match. The closest logic I can almost accept is that um, 
they had their five matches and they were so perfect and couldn't be changed. So uh, when he came back unexpectedly, it was like, oh, well, uh, we're in a bit of a pickle. Why don't you just go here? But there is no analog to that. Like even like a Jeff Hardy at uh, whatever year that was when he ended up getting um, nudged out of the main event picture, his they made sure he was given like an important feud instead where his brother cost him the belts that sucking in its own right is a different story, but it was supposed to be important, right? Like they, he was stopped and, and preserved his quest because someone else got in his way and, and edge, um, when edge didn't get it at 22 edge had the, the Mick Foley program instead, something important, right? Cause like, this is one of your wrestlers. He should be in a, some program of consequence at WrestleMania. One of the stars that makes people want to watch your wrestling. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm sure this will be a spectacular match, probably, but it would be a spectacular match without him in it, and those three deadly terms, Archer, Stardust, Intercontinental title. I don't think he's equivalent to John Cena in 2008 when Cena came back surprisingly at the Rumble, but... You know, John Cena, they didn't say, oh, great, John, you're back. We thought you'd be out much longer. You're going to have to work Commissioner William Regal because we got, we're got we booked up, man. Or even, who's even uh, – Edge. Edge when Edge, uh, the 2010 one, they weren't like, I'm so sorry. Right. They brought they brought him back to, when, to being a title match at WrestleMania. Right. And he was not nearly as over as Daniel Bryan was. I mean – So I don't know. He – on the one hand, he has only lost twice. Uh, and maybe he'll win the Intercontinental title and small wonders like not lose TV matches to Luke Harper after he does. Who knows? Okay, well, if the uh, if the logic was that they had this perfect WrestleMania card, oh yeah, let's talk about that. Because <laughs> um, that card, I believe we did a, a thing last year where we went back and course corrected all the WrestleManias. Yeah. Um. I would start with just throwing this one out completely. I guess we'll see. We'll see how it goes on the day. Like I will accept Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar just for the purposes of this exercise. Oh, okay. I would. I would. I would accept. Because to me, that's the thing that flattened out the whole show. Is with that on top, the Emperor having no clothes there. Well, because to me, just everything else is lacking in interest. First of all, who cares about Bray Wyatt versus the Undertaker? The streak's not on the line. The match is going to be terrible. What are we getting out of that match? What is anyone getting out of that match? What do people expect from that match? <laughs> I have no <laughs> no counterpunch to that. At this point, without the streak, the Undertaker coming back and having a match against that guy is really just taking a main event spot away from someone else. Not only that, but it meant that Bray had to go over Ambrose 100% of their matches. <laughs> That's the other, and you'll, I guess, get into this too, is part of the thing is Rollins also went over Ambrose in 100% of their matches. So Bray Wyatt and uh, Rollins had to job Ambrose into oblivion, no comeuppance whatsoever, so that they could work with The Undertaker and Randy Orton, two hot young studs. Yeah, I mean, it's like last year I was talking about how WrestleMania 29 was sort of the uh, where everything came home to roost as far as them relying so much on the legends. You know, like where the top three matches was basically like part timers, um, you know, their showcase and pretty much being pushed ahead of every full timer except for John Cena and CM Punk. 
and them too in, in some ways. But last year they kind of brought it back to, oh, they're, you know, it's the, it's, you know, our new crew of great wrestlers. We're going to showcase them. And the Shield won a squash match and Cesaro won a battle royal and Daniel Bryan. It was all about Daniel Bryan. And, um, and you know, the only real part-timer match was Lesnar and The Undertaker. And that was like a big moment. The streak ended. And this year, all the main matches are part-timers again. Um, like all of them. Um, whether it be uh, Undertaker versus Wyatt. And I still believe without the streak and without the, the streak of great matches, I don't see the appeal in that match. Sting versus Triple H, which I guess some people are into, but my thing about this, and like, stop me if I'm going too far, the flaw in the idea of the dream match of Sting versus Triple H is the idea that there is such a thing as a dream match that involves Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I like Triple H as a performer. I, I, you know, there are times when he's been really boring, and there have been times when he's been overbearing and buried people and been a dick. But he's a good, you know, he's been a good top tier wrestler. He is not the guy that people dream about wrestling other people. Am Am I wrong about this? Probably only his two historical pals, like Triple H, after he became big versus Shawn Michaels, which we took care of 13 years ago. I think that was a dream match, and maybe him and Flair, but they never made it one. And after that, yeah, that that about took care of it. Yeah, Triple H is not the dream match guy. And Sting, like Sting at this point, I I think that they've gotten the most they could get out of him already, just like having him show up. And Sting's not a guy that has great matches. And you know, I could see maybe Sting like 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 the idea of like Surfer Sting versus John Cena has appealed to me, and the idea of Sting versus the Undertaker as two guys who who live in the shadows has some appeal from, like, a spectacle standpoint, and actually that would have taken care of both of those guys if they just did that and match. A, a spectral standpoint. <laughs> yes. Um, but otherwise, I don't... I don't see the appeal in a Sting match at WrestleMania. Not a major one, anyway. Um, so that right there, I don't get. Um, Randy Orton versus Seth Rollins. It's just... It probably will be a good match, but it's inexplicable to me that they still want Randy Orton to be ahead of all these other baby faces. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense why he'd be even ahead of Dolph Ziggler at this point, never mind, you know, Daniel Bryan or Dean Ambrose. I, I don't get that. Um, what else is on the card? That was also alarming in uh, 1st July when Ambrose started to get his, um, his whole grain pops. He did a clean job to Randy Orton because Randy Orton was in the four-way title match at that pay-per-view. And then in October, when Reigns was out and Ambrose was thrust into the number two babyface, they were like, oh no, what a problem. We'd better turn Randy Orton so we have a strong babyface since uh, Ambrose isn't going to be qualified for that position. Yeah, and um, and the other one would be Cena and Rusev. And to me, when you're booking WrestleMania at least when you're booking WrestleMania in like late 2014, the thought is, okay, so we have our championship match taken care of. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Fine. Um, now, the second two questions are, what do we do with John Cena and what do we do with Daniel Bryan? To me, those are like, those are the two questions, right? And their answer for John Cena was Rusev. Now, maybe I'm alone on this, 
but I'm never going to be able to get into big, burly, xenophobic heel. That's never going to be a thing that I like. And I appreciate that Rusev's improved a lot and he's done a good job and their match at Fastlane was good. But to me, that's, it's, to me, that's not how I would use John Cena. And I think they used Cena versus Bray Wyatt last year for a similar reason. And it seems to me like Bray Wyatt is less over than he was a year ago. So I don't think that was completely necessary. Um, and I don't know if this was necessary for Rusev. I still wish they just didn't do gimmicks like that because it just makes me uncomfortable. And I think it's old-fashioned to a degree that belies WWE's notion that they're this modern, you know, hip entertainment as compared to old wrestling. Mm -hmm. Their answer to the Daniel Bryan question was, well, he's probably not going to be there. And if he is, uh, who cares? We'll figure something out. Yeah, or we won't because who cares? Like, I, And to me, my answer to those two questions was, oh, well, they'll just wrestle each other. Right. <laughs> um, because then they're auto- it's automatically a major, major match. It's going to be great because they've had one of the best matches in WWE in the past five years already. Um, it's going to have a lot of heat because both guys are really over. And it's going to feel like a WrestleMania match because it's the two top babyfaces wrestling each other. It makes sense also under what's brought together a lot of the post um I don't know, 17, the 21st century WrestleMania cards, where it's usually like musical chairs with the main eventers, and they just pick one and sit down and not uh, go into to weird programs with heels being built up just for the, the John Cena weight division of Bray Wyatt and Harusev, of people who challenge John Cena's legacy at WrestleMania, and he gets very sad, and then he beats them. Yeah, now... Now, speaking of that, do you uh, do you agree with me about why like that didn't end up necessarily being so great for him? Because what I mean, I guess part of it was John Cena won the the biggest match they had, the one at WrestleMania, and then the angle just got incredibly stupid. Mm-hmm. And I think why it came out of that so much weaker. And I just don't. I feel like them suddenly why coming back in the fall and suddenly being position to go against The Undertaker. I don't I don't feel like Ray Bray Wyatt's there right now for like a main event match. I don't, I don't think he's that over. I don't think he's I just, I don't know, I just don't see it in him right now. Uh, how do you feel about Wyatt's progression? Your uh, interpretation of the Cena deal with him I think is pretty much universally agreed on at this point. Uh, fine up until WrestleMania, hurt by losing at WrestleMania and then just fell off a cliff. And yes, it, it caught the, then the Jericho thing after that, their, I guess, bring Jericho back specifically to work with him and put him over showed that he was still important in their eyes, but it definitely caught people off guard in uh, November or October, whatever it was, when it said, like, yeah, they're booking towards him against The Undertaker, therefore he's going to be winning all his matches from now until then. Um, over everyone else you thought may have uh, got ahead of him in the pecking order. That's probably part of the the resent. Rain, uh, Bray is sort of a, a lesser version of Reigns, where people just wonder. We've seen so many acts we like not get protected booking. So why are these the two? And certainly Reigns far ahead of White in that. Like, what? It's good that you chose someone, but what about this guy and this guy and this guy? How come we couldn't have had that then? Would Would you push Luke Harper ahead of Bray Wyatt? Oh, that's the other thing, too. Like, they split them up for no reason. I I almost think that hurt them worse than the Shield was hurt. Because they really, I mean, that, like, like they were just so much stronger to get, that act was over. 
You know, I mean, do you remember how hot those Shield versus Wyatt Family matches were last year? You know, they were they were I mean, probably the best WWE matches of last year, and there was really no good reason to split them up. I mean, the Shield, you know, they did stuff with them as individuals at the very least. The Wyatt Family, you know, they, you got a sense for a moment that they were going to do something with Luke Harper, and then they didn't. But he jo- he went got some vignettes, which is always nice. And started a singles heel push with the prestigious Intercontinental Championship win. Was added to the heel main event team of the Survivor Series. And it was like, okay, so the Authority has a tall guy who is good who can beat people up for him. A heater, if you will, Matt. And then it was like, well, that's cool, but we'd rather just have Big Show and Kane keeping the tall guys. And then Luke Harper will uh, just go back to the pack. I guess the next thing that I would talk about, if you don't mind me dictating this, because I, I mean, um, would be uh, would be Dean Ambrose, mm-hmm. uh, because there was a moment there that people said that he was going to be like the next great man, if not the next Stone Cold, at least the next CM Punk. Yeah, and maybe he, he's just like the CM Punk pre. Um... Money in the Bank, 11, CM Punk, when everyone thought he was great, and he wasn't being as pushed as much as he should have been. Yeah, and, and they did all the, the great stuff they know how to do to cool a guy off with him, and it worked like a charm. And is he a guy that that is not salvageable anymore, at least at that level? Matt, do you know he's lost or not won every pay-per-view match he's had since the Shield beat Evolution? It doesn't surprise me, but I didn't. I did not know that's that particular statistic. So you would think it's being deferred until this big WrestleMania moment, right? Dean Ambrose will finally win the Intercontinental Title as he tried to do in February and is chasing, chasing that gold. So either Dean Ambrose wins the belt and Daniel Bryan is a dipshit again and lets all his fans down, or Daniel Bryan can finally do something of consequence since he came back uh, as he's lost and I'll count the Rumble one as a loss for him since it was so controversy free he can finally get a big win and then Ambrose can not even win this so that's why I think Brian should win the title just so he can have done something successfully instead of continuing to be uh, marginalized and then Ambrose they fucked up enough that they should keep or actually push him more, but they should just go ahead and turn him heel. Yeah, well, okay. I, I'm trying to think who would be the other the other guys that we're talking about in terms of who they have fucked up. I guess the next- Dolph got a pretty cool push for like two months at the end of uh, 2014. Right, he was, he was going to be the next guy for me to bring up. Um, he did. It was weird. It was, yeah, it was very weird. It was really weird. And um, I, I feel like... Among these these people, even if we're living in a perfect world, one of them has got to be odd man out. And uh, I feel like I would probably, as much as I love Dolph, and before Ambrose kind of got this babyface push, I probably he probably would have been my next guy. I feel like in the Ambrose Brian Dolph trio, he would probably be my odd man out. Unfortunately, just because he's been around so long and has so much WWE like taint on him, and I mean that in the like tainted stuff definition and also the you know area between your butt and your balls part of it too just as they rub their taint all over him and um but i don't know what to do with him i i 
uh, what would you do with him? <laughs> That's a great question, Matt. Let me think it over while I'm thanking the sponsor for today's show, which is HTTPESPN.com. ESPN.com is the official website of the ESPN channel and is bringing a worldwide leader to the World Wide Web. The site is loaded with features for true sports nuts, e.g. news, scores, game recaps, stats, team rosters, player weights, and so much more. Use the offer code SHAPS for a free trial today, 24-7, www.ESPN.com. It's da-da-da-da-da-da.com. All right, I'm sitting here with Matt Feuerstein of the Listen and Learn podcast. Matt, as for Dolph Ziggler, I would push him exactly as they had been doing in November and December. And uh, he's, to me, kind of a miniature version of, of Daniel Bryan, and you should have, um, well, you know, slightly taller, but this the same story with a little just less in every aspect of it. So he'd be one of my top baby faces. He's... um. Everything that was happening with him at the end of last year was unexpected and great. And, of course, uh, I knew better than to get too invested in it. But, yeah, there's no reason I wouldn't continue pushing him like that. Isn't it amazing that WrestleMania season is actually worse than, like, the November, December (laughs) doldrums? Yep. Um, Yeah, I mean, the other guy they they were actually doing a good job with for a long time was Seth Rollins. Um and like you could debate how good he's been. Obviously, he's been awesome in the ring. I've um, I've seen a lot of disagreement on how he's good, how good he's been as a character, and and like on the mic and stuff. I don't know what what's your take on his um, his performance about as far as like living up to the uh, the role that he, they've kind of shunted him into. I guess shunted is the wrong word, but like shoved him into. Mm-hmm. I think he's um, one of the few success stories from the whole year. I think I'd. I'd rather have the shield together as a strong act, but he's the only one who maximized his potential coming out of it. But then, you know, in the past couple of weeks, they've made him out to be such an idiot that <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know, I just don't even think that's effective for a heel. To be, like, completely oblivious to the most obvious thing that everyone, like, that all the children watching could figure out, I, I don't, I just don't see what that does for anyone. I don't see what it does for the storyline. And I think especially because that angle they shot in October and Orton like they actually held him back for two full months so they could peak it for WrestleMania. And then as soon as they actually started doing the angle, they killed the angle. Yeah, but this is what I'm talking about. Like this is the period where they're doing the wrong thing with everyone. Right. And I and I guess I guess if you're gonna book Rusev, right, that's probably the they're probably doing the optimal job of booking him. Mm-hmm. But as I said, I don't care about Rusev. But I might as well. You might as well tell me your take on him. Rollins, Rusev, and the Usos. Ooh, that'd be a good slam poem <laughs> if I could finish it. Um, or like a, a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> uh, are the, probably the the four people <laughs> I think they did a good job with uh, on the whole in in O fourteen. Rusev, uh, cut and paste that conversation we had about the appropriateness of Umaga. On last year's show, when he said he he shouldn't have been in the the um, Trump Vince match because he's just such a retrograde act, I think yes, I agree with you. I have no room for these gimmicks, and he Rusev is actually a lot worse because you know people are being murdered, and uh, what you say like if you you can't say that it's just old timey pro wrestling, the foundation of this business in which we compete. At the same time, you're saying like. We're not in the wrestling business. We're a progressive postmodern institution. 
So he and her, them, she and him, the Deschanel singing group, uh, are doing a great job. So you're saying that Rusev, and, you're saying that Rusev is M Ward? Yeah, that's right. Or Zangief, maybe. Oh, that's M Bison. Shit. Um, anyway, yeah, they're doing a great job. It's hard to tell, though, because with Bray Wyatt last year, a lot of that super push is very much like you're being built up to be a guy for John Cena to pin in April since he can't be in the world title match. Unless Rusev wins, but do you think they're going to go in the direction of Cena and Bryan as the twin champions and then actually do that match for real? Like, as a unification? That's interesting, too, right? Like, what if the three champions coming out of WrestleMania are Roman Reigns, John Cena, and Daniel Bryan? And to me, at that point, then the WWE World Heavyweight Championship becomes the the WWE version of the ECW title. Like, fuck off, man. Yes, maybe, except they're still going to book Reigns as the top guy. And Brian in particular is probably still going to get shitty programs um, and not a lot of TV time. So I, um, so I don't know. I mean, well, there's there's so much TV time to fill. I think he's going to get a lot of TV time, but I don't know. I mean, he hasn't really got, exactly gotten much promo time since Fastlane, and um, to really you know describe his motivations. Maybe on SmackDown, I don't I don't know, but definitely not on Raw. So um, and then and the Cena thing, I could expect it like at any moment that Cena's heel opponent will cost him a match against some mid-card heel on like the the world's largest banana peel and Cena will be like, oh, how dare you cost me my beloved U- U.S. title. More or less what they did with Ambrose uh, last year with the U.S. belt. It was like, oh, we don't want that. Just change it. Fix it. Move it. And what they did with Cena and Michaels when they were tag champs in 2007 when it ran its course, and it was like, oh, just change that back to someone else. We don't want this anymore. Yeah. The realm of uh, true competitors. Yeah, I mean, it's a, isn't it amazing to think back to um, the night after WrestleMania last year and how much hope there was, how many things they were doing correctly for, like, three days? <laughs> Uh, to say the least. And how they just refuse, like, they just refuse to, like, see what's staring them in the face. Like, that, just that, that, the Shield and Brian alliance as the top guys in the company and Cena kind of settling into that, you know, Bruno role, Bruno, Bruno under Backland role. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. And then Cesaro, Cesaro, being, uh, putting Cesaro was ha- with Heyman was not a bad idea. That was yeah. It gives you main event heel. Yeah, that was not what made Cesaro fail. It was them booking Cesaro as like a failure, is what made Cesaro fail. Oh, you mean Paul Heyman isn't a secret whammy card that ruins acts? Yeah, I would say opposite of that is true. Right. Um, and he's there like, hey, what if Antonio Cesaro worked with uh, Daniel Bryan and John Cena? Now, granted, Daniel Bryan only had one more match, but. Um, John Cena and say the babyface shield. What if he was a heel opponent for them? What if Kane was not? Considering Kane was in who knows how many more uh, pay-per-view main events that year. Yeah. What if Cesaro won his matches and didn't lose many of them frequently? Yeah, they're they're just they're just picking all the wrong things to do. And um, is Vince the culprit? Is Triple H the culprit? Is Stephanie the culprit? Are they all the culprit? Like if Vince, if the power shifted toward Triple H, would all this bullshit not be happening it's hard to say but you look at nxt and obviously they do a good job with the top programs there 
but is that because they are trying to book for that audience and sort of trick them into into getting like getting behind WWE while still secretly plotting to fuck those guys up as soon as they get to the main co- main roster if they ever do? I don't know. Well, you know what people have in 2015 that they didn't used to was uh, Twitter interactions to peruse. And yeah, I buy into the idea that uh, Paul Levesque is flattered by all the praise he gets and decides he likes that, while at the same time he and Vince are, are setting a course for Raw. I think there are fundamental things with Raw, like just that don't make sense that he would streamline and, and improve, but... Certainly, he sees probably Roman Reigns as the the, the beautiful haired warrior who's gonna like be his his guy to carry him into the Triple H era of the corporation. And of course, like Stephanie's a major factor in that, and I don't see any evidence to suggest that she feels any differently about anything than Vince does. Right? She just thinks. I mean, she she grew up under Vince and thinks he's uh, the perfect guy who knows what's right. Unlike Paul Heyman, who is uh, Trixie and false. Yeah, Vince is the WrestleMan who invented WrestleMania. So, <laughs> To her credit, though, she was the one who got behind uh, John Cena's rap music man singing character and <laughs> said, we need to go with that. But let's be honest, that character really, really in 2003 wasn't that cool. <laughs> was kind of like... Hey, tell that to a cardboard cutout of somebody. Whoever that was. Oh, fabulous. Jay-Z? Yeah. Fabulous. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It sort of feels... And you know what also felt like this? The Did you read the Jonathan Snowden's oral history of the Daniel Bryan authority feud that he wrote a few weeks ago? I did not. It had quotes from Triple H and, and Stephanie and Daniel son. And it reminded me... Like, on the one hand, it was cool. But it reminded me of, like, a wrestler telling his children that oh, we're all friends and cooperating. Like, that was the story of uh, Daniel Bryan and, and uh, WWE management. We're supposed to feel better. And similar to, to NXT of, like, see, we're your friend. I, I think it's mutually beneficial because uh, Triple H gets flattered by Reddit sending him fruit baskets. And kind of that mindset that sent you into the loving... Uh, handshakes of Ring of Honor in 2005 is what people have turned to to NXT as their salvation, right? Yeah, but I think the returns are diminishing when the guys that keep bringing up for from NXT are all the worst ones, and Sami Zayn is now there for two full years, and clearly could. I mean, like I said, no, no doubt he could get over on the main roster, but is someone that they don't seem to want there. And someone that they don't seem to want to get over because he's not the kind of guy that they want to push at that level. So he's just going to be stuck there, you know? Um, Have you followed the the new direction of NXT that's sort of come out in the last few weeks? In the last... As reported in The Sheets? In the last few weeks, like since Kevin Owens won the title? Yeah. I guess not. Oh, well, the Observer has sort of laid out this story. Triple H enjoys the uh, positive feedback. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, sorry, go ahead, but yes. I and um, it also is helpful to a guy who has to, like, exude confidence when he's, you know, actually going to take over in 30 or 40 years. So it's good for his reputation to have this beloved project. So now they're going to sign more indie favorites to replace the ones who graduate, if any, and they're going to tour 
and be in the uh, the Ring of Honor business. Yeah, I, I did hear about that. I thought you meant a new like creative direction, but um, but yeah, I, just that like Samoa Joe's probably coming in April, and maybe the Briscoes, and who knows who else. But the uh, but the underlying subtext to that is that I guess that's redundant. Um, <laughs> but the subtext of that is these guys are not actually going to be main roster WWE stars anytime soon because we right. need them in NXT to be in Ring of Honor. Now, I don't know what that does for the paychecks of those guys. Do they, I mean, do they just get paid like they're in the indies or do they get paid like they're WWE stars? I don't know. Oh, I'm sure they'll take care of it like they took care of the change from pay-per-view to uh, network specials. Yeah, I mean, like to me, as good as NXT would be, as like kind of like the, what the, the WWE CW should have been, Part of the fun of those guys getting signed is the idea that they could be stars in main event WrestleMania, like Daniel Bryan did. And if they're not- and not just be listed on the Wikipedia page of the WWE roster, right? Exactly. And so, like that doesn't that doesn't satisfy me at all. I mean, for one thing, not only would it be the right thing to do for those guys, but it would be by far the right thing to do to make WWE better to watch for the fans. And I mean, I guess they'd just fuck it up with all those guys anyway, but. At least have give your roster as much talent as possible, and not you know bring up the ascension for no good reason um, to do nothing with except wrestle the New Age Outlaws. But that match is going to be like a trivia question one day about like a match that would be on the, the New Age Outlaws versus the Ascension in 2015. But um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's another just just another sign of them being tone deaf, like people. The people are not going to appreciate NXT for long if it just starts to seem like a secret, you know, a secret way to shit on the indies and and hoard all the talent. I mean, the people who are into that will figure that out and eventually resent it. Ah, that's a pretty cuddly stuffed animal for those people from those people right. for a certain segment of fans from what I can tell right now it is but all this stuff is brand new this information hmm. and I think once like they start snatching up all the indie guys there's going to be a resentment to it you know I mean it's not like it's not like the the, the TNA uh, impact zone audience stayed true believers forever either you know that that kind of flattened out over the years and I think that's probably what's going to happen with NXT also because that's smarmy you know, that's a smart thing. It is. It's right. And that's not, that's not, those intentions aren't pure. They're just going to corporatize like the real stuff that people like while also not giving the guys that they're hiring really much more of an opportunity than they would have had on the actual indies. I think though you've transcended to one level of awareness higher than the, the NXT's uh, devoted fan bases at this point who just love their uh, NXT. I, is the straight thing. I agree with you. I'm thinking more in like the like a year from now. Yeah. Well, now they've had what four specials. That's the bloom is still very much on the rose for those, and they're great. Which is you know. Yeah. No. No. Totally. 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 Uh, and they haven't even toured yet. So uh, yeah, a year from now, who knows? Especially if if Sami Zayn is just the NXT's <laughs> character babyface and never gets to leave perpetually in high school. No, it's it's one of those things where it's like for, I mean. Whatever you know, however well he's doing in NXT, these people are human beings that have a finite amount of time on their bodies, and he works a pretty hard style. And he's not going to be there; like he's not going to be able to be utilized the way he can be now in a few years because he'll have that much more wear on him. 
you know, he's worked a pretty hard style for, you know, well over a decade. And if they actually want to get something out of this guy that they could get a lot out of, they need to do it now. Same for Kevin Steen. You know, he hasn't been, Kevin Owens, he hasn't been in NXT for that long, but he's certainly been destroying his body for a very long time. And if they're really, they really want to do something with him, they should do something with him. And, 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 well, the, sorry. Proceed. It's just distasteful to me, the idea that they're going to hire these guys to not actually give them a chance to be in WWE. That's kind of an extreme interpretation of it. it like, they do have to graduate sometime, maybe, but Zane's eternal stay down there in the Hotel Florida, that was the Hotel California, and then I switched the coast to see, is definitely, I think uh, the night after Mania, at least we'll find out whether Neville is going to finish up there, and that at least might show that that core of people can leave NXT, that'll be... Because if not the night after Mania, then who knows when an appropriate time other than it would be welcome at any time. I guess it's either the night after Mania or the summer shakeup angle they do every year when their product gets uh, like terrible and Vince says, we need some ideas. Let's do something drastic. They like this NXT, Triple H? Okay, so then... Yeah, I mean, if they if they end up having to do like an NXT... like will be Indian, Nexus Shield. Yeah, like an Indie Invasion, I mean... I mean, I would enjoy it for what it is. It would feel a little bit cheap to me because they've done that sort of thing so many times. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I'm sure I'm sure it would be better than what they're doing now. In the uh, the big picture, we made that comparison in one of these shows we did of the decade repeating itself where, like, ECW set the course and then WCW kind of took a bastardized version of that and then WWF took it and ran with it. And we saw um, uh, TNA become a weaker version of WCW and then Ring of Honor become a, a different version of uh, ECW. If any, you, In some ways it, it exceeded it, right, in terms of what they actually in, delivered. In the ring and as far as the actual like high level quality of in ring talent they produced, right, ROH was better. As far as developing like angles and characters and like developing guys who probably would have been nobody into actual viable real wrestling stars, I mean, I think ECW might have been better than any promotion ever at that um, in a short in a short term. Yeah, and Ring of Honor sold a lot of DVDs, but they did not get a short lived cable show or get on pay per view. Yeah, I, or anything yeah. Like that, but. Either way, like, is it uh, that same weird history repeating itself thing we talked about with Brett and Luger and all the following people? I uh, I never would have thought that the it would have carried over to WWE becoming like the people who got over in in Ring of Honor and other work rate indies becoming the stars of the company, and and that's becomes more clear by the year. Except there's still that there's still this weird like left. Like attempt to deny that on the part of Vince McMahon. There's an attempt to be like, well, this is clearly the direction we need to go, and that's and it's been true from you know from the moment, at the very least, the moment CM Punk cut that promo in 2011. I say that would be the latest that would have been true, and there's still like as much as they'll go for it, they still will continue to pull back, and I'd say this is the furthest they've pulled back so far, where they're just like fuck all those guys, except for Seth Rollins. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the, they, yeah, the Indies is where the guys that can actually be stars came from because they have, cause they actually had to work like in a way that the old, they used to work in the old days. Whereas 
they had to draw based on their performance and their reputation. And that's what actually brought people into the arena. It wasn't the machine, you know, the, like the actual, like even ring of honor at its peak when the brand name meant a lot, the stuff that the shows that sold the most and drew the best were the shows with the best matches from the best performers. And that's something that the WWE developmental can't, you know, it can't simulate. The uh, their actual national audience, though, do you think it's changed to this point or eroded to this point? But those are what they respond to. Uh, again, I don't know whether it's conditioned into uh, reacting to or just that's all that's left is the, the people like us who who re- react to uh, work and that shit. Yeah, well, I mean, I said last year I think that their audience genuinely has changed, um, not just in the smart cities. And I think maybe it's not quite true in, like, smaller towns. But in the cities, it's, it does seem like that's what the audience wants. They want guys that have, like, a reputation as, you know, great worker, journeyman types. And they want guys who um, who can go in the ring and, like, actually back up their shit. They don't want, they don't want someone that they believe is manufactured in any way. And that's why maybe my idea about Roman Reigns being Goldberg wasn't the best one, but... I feel like at least then they would they would see that he wasn't they weren't he wasn't a fish out of water like he was doing what he could do as opposed to them just trying to make him John Cena and um, and I do think that I also think that God, that fans get into a real story Daniel Bryan's angle last year was just mirrored a real life thing that was happening and mm-hmm. it created a situation where the where the audience had like real genuine emotion toward the finish of those matches at WrestleMania last year. And they obviously just, for whatever reason, are incapable of actually manufacturing that. In order for the crowd to get into a, a wrestler's triumph now, there has to be some sort of real-life triumph that, that he actually has. Um, I, and I, I mean, that's why I think that the guys who've been underdogs for a long time, you could do a lot with each of them, kind of overcoming the odds because I think the crowd would feel an emotional reaction to Dean Ambrose finally breaking through or Dolph Ziggler finally breaking through or Sami Zayn coming up and finally breaking through. You know, like those guys, because they have a real life story to tell. They've actually fought and clawed and scraped to get to where they are and had setbacks. And Think of uh, what Punk, the... Message of that promo he gave was WWE sucks and I'm going to steal the belt and leave because fuck all of you. And in like real wrestling times, that's the worst thing you can do. Like, no, how dare you? But instead, uh, it turned him babyface because everyone was like, correct, thank you, please do that, fuck this place. And same thing with Brian, where you know, I'll still never understand how he got that SummerSlam main event to begin with. Well, I know why. It's because the people of Brooklyn uh, cheered when Dan, uh, John Cena took a, a plaza meter to determine the opponent. But yeah, that story, and then uh, changing that into the actual uh, from subtext to text of what was going on. And you saw it again with uh, Ambrose after the breakup. He was the one who got beat up and got mad and kept being thwarted and deferred his uh, satisfaction, and that's who got over. Whereas I think it definitely hurt Roman Reigns that, you know, he never chased anything. He showed up and went, I'm here. You're welcome. (laughs) 
I'm here. The men. Now that's a shirt. <laughs> I'm here. You're welcome. Doi. Naruki doi. Um, but um, yeah. I mean, there's just there's wrestling storylines are stupid, and they suck. Correct. So you ha- they hold up to very little scrutiny. <laughs> yes. So you have to have real life in there for the fans to actually feel any emotional resonance. Um, and so Roman Reigns has no real life in there. He is a product of some degree of nepotism and also his genetic gifts as far as being looking a certain way and having a certain kind of muscle size. Um, that's not to say that he has no merit or hasn't improved or isn't working hard, but his the story that he brings to the table is not one of adversity, um, at least as far as the wrestling business goes. So people aren't going to care that much. Um, Brock Lesnar people care about because he's clearly a real-life maniac, um, playing a maniac. There has to be just some reality to what's going on. So in some ways, maybe that stupid thing that Shoemaker said was right, that there's something to this reality era that people will only respond to something that they believe has some sort of real life behind it. Um, As far as what the best real-life stories are now, I don't know. I, st- I do. It's uh, Daniel Bryan finally <laughs> achieving this incredible thing on a miraculous night. And then, oh, cruel hands of fate. A uh, terrible injury forced him to relinquish the championship. And then after probably a lot of uh, sweat and uh, he did a lot of curls and he worked real hard and he uh, ate uh, a lot of uh, vegetables. And then he was ready to come back and go after the scariest man possible to uh, get back what was so unjustly uh, taken from him. Yeah. Something like that, I suppose. Oh, yeah, that, that could have been good. Um, given that that's not possible anymore, um, there's still a lot to be said for Daniel Bryan's real-life story. Yep. And there's still, well, there's still a lot they could do with that. Think of uh, all the potential that was there for Bryan coming out of uh, the 18-second thing in 2012, and then he did headline... Um, three or four title matches. Well, not headline, but, you know, he was in pay-per-view world championship matches and then went into the tag team with Kane. And that sort of seemed like, well, he's, you know, still having a good career, but that chance to make him uh, may have came and gone. And then he was right back at it again. So maybe this is just going to keep happening to him over and over. Well, I was going to ask you. So the day after WrestleMania this year, or the day of WrestleMania even, does the crowd, does the does the congregation of angry but secretly happy smarks um, <laughs> do they um, do they take up the Brian mantle again, or is that has that ship sailed? Are they are they too defeated and and they pick a new hero? I think it's going to be like nothing changed. Roman Reigns is going to be the. It'll just be Philadelphia at the Rumble again. So is, Brian will be as in just booing Roman Reigns because I or or actually. Like Brianing it up and yesing and chanting for Daniel Bryan when Daniel Bryan is not actually out there and things like that. I think they'll Brian it up. Mm-hmm. I think they'll Brian it up in a big way. Well, I mean, I think he's the easiest one to do because Dean Ambrose doesn't have a hand gesture that ever is fun for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that could at least lead to something. But who knows? I mean, at this point, they could probably easily just chalk it up to ah, oh, it's a WrestleMania crowd. You know, I mean, it's not like Fandango. I mean, I guess they did try with Fandango, but it failed so badly because they just. They were just like the lame dad who ran the joke into the ground, right? They were just like they, – they, they, just, they just couldn't let it go. They just had to be like, well, now everyone's fandangoing all around the world. Um, 
So what do you think about WrestleMania this year? Do you see it being a show that you will be able to watch and enjoy? (laughs) I pretty much declared my intentions after the Rumble. I was like, normally I try to act like I'm above this, but... You've wasted so much of my time, and this is so stupid that I'm rooting for everything to burn, baby, burn. So, yeah, I don't... I, With all respect to Roman Reigns, who seems like a nice person with a nice uh, Samoan family, uh, I don't want him to succeed at all. So, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, it... it funny- is that psychology? It's just the... It's basic... Um, for people who, who complain about, like, the, the entitled fans... It's only human nature to to want to to resent people who appear to have things handed to them and to get behind people who are held back. The trick used to be that you the people you wanted to push you at least made go through the uh, WWF No Mercy for THQ storyline mode of chasing things and having to overcome obstacles. I, I think it's, it'll be interesting because you know Meltzer posited this possibility that some people think that Lesnar might be leaving. They will boo Lesnar, but I see no evidence that there even exists a contingent of WWE loyalists who think Vince is God at this point. I, um, I mean, there are still somehow those people that go crazy when Triple H comes out and he's like their number one guy. But I, I just, I, I just think since in the past eleven years, I think WWE has burned away a lot of the loyalty and goodwill they had left over from the Monday Night Wars. Do you think that that still exists? The people that would be like, fuck Lesnar for walking out on us? Does that, does that, is that even a thing anymore? One of the good examples of that is we, I've had a guest on this show who is a bus driver in New York City who really likes um, WWF going all the way back to uh, the, the 3W days. And yeah, those are those people who hated uh, Lesnar so bad at MSG and went to Vince's trial in 1993 to see all the superstars and cheer for them and root for uh, um, Vince to overcome this this terrible injustice that was being perpetrated upon him. And for sure, as part of that audience erosion slash alteration we talked about, they um, the company is the heel now, and they stand in the way. They're corporate, and they're annoying, and... Uh, yeah, people really like the talent and feel like um, they have no faith in the the actual uh, composers of that show. Fucking, fucking Vince McMahon. Yeah. Fucking, fucking respect him because his fucking father. <laughs> he put Bruno in the garden. He put the Nature Boy Buddy Rogers in the garden. Mm-hmm. He brought Superfly Jimmy fucking Snooker to the garden. Oh yeah. And no, this is all true, sir. I mean, we all remember your name. Uh, there was a first name and a last name, and why even say it? Because, uh, so do you still feel the same? Well, I mean, it's a different garden now, my friend. If things change, is it Tommy Del Salvio. Uh, thank you, Matt. Yes, Tommy. It's a new garden now, and with that new garden, has that past loyalty sort of uh, gone by the wayside? Gotta fucking respect the man <laughs> for his fucking father <laughs> and his fucking and his fucking grandfather. Yeah. Because I went to the garden every month, and I saw t- and I saw Tony fucking Gurria. Oh yeah. And he would do an armbar, mm-hmm. and fucking Lou Albano, and he had the rubber bands. 
So you, sir, now this Brock Lesnar man, he doesn't respect wrestling to the point where he will only do it three times a year. And now, after everything they've given to him, he might go back to uh, the Ultimate Fighters with their uh, Affliction t-shirt. So you you think that's a probably a negative choice for him to make? It goes against things? Well, i got to say this about Mr. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> now, Brock Lesnar, he don't have no respect for nobody. He don't have no loyalty. He probably doesn't even love his mother. But i got to say, he's fucking friends with a fucking Jew from New York. And that's my town. And much, yeah! And much respect to New York. So much respect to Brock Lesnar. What a twist. NYC. Well, I know you've got uh, you got to pick the kids up in the morning, which it may or may, you know, use your imagination, listener, as to what time is happening. So thank you so much for stopping by. Tony, was it? It's fucking Tommy. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Tommy. All right. We will catch you later. Yo, so long. <laughs> what a great, it's always good to check in. So he still feels like he goes against what you, Matt, and I were, were thinking about. <laughs> whether they're going to be behind uh, Roman Reigns. I can see also, you know, that's a long show. They could just be too tired by the end to bother to do the uh, the 50 or the uh, the reverse reaction match. A mass walkout would be <laughs> probably the most incredible. Like a, a very visible walkout would would be would be. I mean, I I don't I don't see that happening. I still th- I still think Brock Lesnar's a guy. You know, whatever. Say what you will about Roman Reigns. I still think Brock Lesnar's a guy that people will go out of their way to see. But uh, they were excited to see him, and then, though, his match at uh, your Mania still played to a lot of silence. So and, I could and, see that. And, like, and, and his ha- match at the subsequent Mania. Oh, that's right, yeah. So it, it could have the, the Patterson layout of all the usual false finishes in that, and I could see them doing it sort of uh, Triple H and Orton style at 25, just executing their great match while no one reacts to anything. I could see that happening. That, that I would not get much pleasure out of. You know, because that it's, it's happened too much. I would, I want to see something. I want to see a spectacle. I want John Cena versus Randy Orton. If it's, if the match has got to go badly, I want it to go badly in that way. Yeah, that's certainly more fun. You just may have to wait until the next night to see just what people can come up with to be mean to this man who thought things were going to go so well for him right now. Remember how great the beginning of the post WrestleMania Raw was last year, where everyone going yes and you deserve it and like a loving, and it's. It's gonna be. It's actually gonna be kind of refreshing to see the crowd tell WWE what's what. I mean, at the same time, the WWE can easily just be like, "Well, you motherfuckers paid to come to see this and flew all the way over here, so obviously, <laughs> obviously, you don't mind it that much." So there is there well, is that aspect uh, of it. That's the game. The game is afoot. Um, that's part of I think what I said last year was okay. So. No matter what happens, we did fuck up your 30th anniversary of WrestleMania, and that has to go down in all your record books and and, uh, tape libraries. This was the show that happened, dickheads, so deal with it. Now, of course, by us fucking it up, we actually made it like one of the best WrestleManias ever, but, you know... Yeah, (laughs) I think uh, this this is sort of... um, This year is a little more tepid because it was like we did just stare this down last year, but I think... If they hadn't uh, done the Brian switch, even if Punk was still there and working with Triple H, I think what we feel now would have been very similar to uh, what we would have felt last March in an alternate reality. No, I I agree with you completely. Um, yeah, I mean, if they had CM Punk back, that would change the game. I'm still one of those guys that are just like, man, I wish CM Punk was back. But uh, 
that is what it is. I am happy that he is happy. Mm-hmm. Him uh, and Ape, all the best. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, he poisoned the well, too, because not only did... Uh, are they almost, especially after the podcast, seen as the wrong people who took such a wonderful thing and forced it to not want to hang out with us anymore? I don't know why I use the pronoun it for a man. Uh, but then he went on the podcast and and uh, summed up the Roman Reigns experience uh, in a nutshell with his uh, make sure you keep Roman strong story. So if, if nobody knew by then, they would have been like, oh boy. Yeah. I don't think, that, and also I don't think there's a single WWE fan in the world that resents CM Punk anymore. So um, people just probably think WWE sucks, and yep. uh, and they do. So, but correct. But a lot of the wrestlers there are great, and they run a and they run a, they run a tight ship as far as production is concerned. So mm-hmm. I, I got to give them credit for that. That's the. It's a weird thing where, at least up until recently, their fans are incredibly passionate at getting into matches and angles that at least kind of replicate the emotion they want to get into. And their wrestlers clearly work incredibly hard and uh, put themselves in all kinds of uh, physical peril to have great wrestling matches as a point of pride. Uh, it's just <laughs> neither of them seem to have any faith in the actual... Uh, people who who move all the chess pieces around and tell them what to do it is sad but as as always things will come around and we will have our couple months of goodness before it starts to suck again i hopefully it's around this year's SummerSlam because i'm going and Ooh. so if anyone wants to meet up with me um why um <laughs> and um but uh but otherwise um yeah i'm hoping that that will that the, the They'll figure out one of those guys that we talked about who's good. They'll figure out that they should be pushing one of them in time for SummerSlam. It seems like the years at WrestleMania are bad, SummerSlam is good, and the year that SummerSlam is bad, WrestleMania is good. So, not that last year SummerSlam was bad, but maybe besides the main event, not the most memorable. Um, so, I'm hoping that this is a good one. Do you think, as maybe a summative question, um, the Reigns experience of the last couple months has uh, given the amorphous WWE audience any sense of be careful what you wish for as far as wanting John Cena out for 10 years or so? Hmm. Like, hmm. Maybe Roman Reigns' blank slate personality is less of a turnoff than, than some of John's eccentricities, but like, had great matches and if not great promos, he could at least he knew how to talk into a microphone. Yeah, I mean, John Cena was a great character at that point. I mean, probably yeah. when they first, probably better in in some ways as a character back then when they first um, pushed him to the top than he is now. Um, but John Cena wasn't exactly having all kinds of great matches in the beginning of two thousand and five. True, I don't think the movement against him though was as strong either. It was like it crested when he got. Like, it came together at the same time. Yeah, I mean... In order, in order to form a more perfect union. Maybe Roman Reigns will have his 2007, you know? We'll have his, like, year on top as, like, this great wrestler. And we'll all be like, oh. Like, we kind of were with John Cena, where we were just like, oh, what? <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think at the moment, Cena would be the person you want because he's dynamic and, like, there's a little bit of, like, light that comes out of him as opposed to just, like, this, like, there's this... I don't know, there's this drabness about Roman Reigns and probably, um, and it's just, I think there's just no, I mean, and I don't just mean because John Cena wears colorful outfits. 
t-shirts. I mean, because there's no life. There's like you said, there's nothing behind his eyes. And um, Samoan blood. They probably need to. Um, he probably needs to work with somebody on like scripting him, himself. Like he has to have a writer that he works with to create his own character. So that way you can get a little bit more in him because I, I have heard that when he goes off script, he's a lot more personable than he is when he's just when he's trying to act. So he might just be a bad actor. Uh huh. Well, that's the other alarming thing is during his hernia times. And it's funny that Daniel Bryan is too injury prone to rely on now, but Roman Reigns had uh, the same injury that my, I think, grandpa had at age 65 or so. Uh, You know, okay, all those uh, scrutinizers who would tell me the difference between a sports hernia and an immigrant uh, hernia of hard work. But um, uh, he he took acting lessons during that time, and if anything, that's made it more awkward because now you'll see him like try and act with his face, and it's even weirder. <laughs> they like script into his promos like stage direction charismatically, and that's when you'll see him like move his eyes or clench his jaw. Did you remember that promo he gave on like main event last year where he was all like shimmy and being like, mm, Renee? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 sure do. And I was like, man, this guy exudes sex, but I don't think that's what they want from him at the moment. Well, that's the other thing about like the way Cena started is uh, so the Roman Reigns empire is not going to start with like winning the secondary title in a 10-minute match from a makeshift uh, heel champion. People have been waiting for this alternative for John Cena, and, and so many people were, like, not allowed to even share the spotlight, whether it was, like, Punk at his best or or Brian in that window and people really pushing for him. Or or even just, like, could anyone but Cena be the center of the universe for a little bit for that whole time? And that's what had people so frustrated. And it was like, no, 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 John is so important. John is too important. This man feeds us. But okay, so now this guy can just do that, sure. Yeah. It's going to be, I have to say, like, as boring as WWE has been, I think the post, like WrestleMania week and the post WrestleMania period, there's a lot, I have a lot of interest in seeing what the hell happens because they really have not set themselves up very well. And at the end of the day, the fans are going to decide that week, and there's probably going to be some fallout just from that alone. Here's what the, they've sacrificed for to get Roman Reigns. Um, I guess they've gotten him from booze up to silence, which, in a sense, is going forward, right? That's a positive direction. So here we are three weeks before. Is it three? Yeah, two, right? Uh, yeah, it's two weeks. Two weeks before WrestleMania, the new standard bearer. <laughs> then, now, forever. They gave up. The Undertaker's streak. They put their world championship on a part-timer and took it off the road and at times television completely. <laughs> um, The Rock made one of, like, three appearances... <laughs> Uh, since his uh, WrestleMania program with Cena on uh, WWE television, just to try and get him a positive reaction in Philadelphia. And then they took their um, biggest natural baby face and had him play quasi-heel on TV for a month so he could carry him to a pay-per-view caliber match and then endorse him. And they've taken John Cena and... Uh, turned him into Old Man John, <laughs> the dying legend, the latter-day limping Shawn Michaels character for some reason. All to get Roman Reigns um, 
something approximating um, a non-negative reaction. So well, great. The one thing they forgot to do was like book interesting stuff for Roman Reigns. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, now that you mention it, it was a, it was an oversight. Um, but uh, well, I mean, I yeah, but all that other stuff's pretty good, I guess. So um, uh, yeah, I I've been so down on this WrestleMania, but I think this conversation has made me actually excited to see what happens. Well, I certainly agree with you that the um, crossed arm digging your heels in shows are better than the silent shows, as it has been for for the last little while. Yes, I agree. And um, and you've got uh, a ready-made heel if you want to. That's the question, I guess, is whether they'll just go with that flow in spite of uh, how stubborn they've been to preserve this magical scenario of uh, Roman punching Brock Lesnar in a stadium and getting his hand raised that's been so paramount for the last year or whether they just uh he's he's the man remember that after um ECW December to dismember it's in that book that whoever that guy did on i think the ironically named ECW press that has nothing to do with ECW so it was like after December to dismember Vince said it was a great show with a great finish because a new superhero was crowned for the fans so Sometimes uh, he just, I guess, experiences what he wants to, and we'll see what happens with that going forward. Yeah. Um, Vince McMahon is uh, living in his own planet, um, and uh, I think at least once or twice a year he gets pulled back onto Earth. And um, I, it'll be interesting to see if that's what, what happens at WrestleMania time. But, you know, I could see them being like, oh, we're smarter than you. We can ride this out. Just watch. We're pulling the strings here, even though they've they've never been in control of the strings less, I'd say. Yes, I would agree with that. That's so funny that, like, so John Cena's origin myth, his creation myth origin story with, with Vince and them is first he, he rapped for Stephanie and she was like, yay, my guy. I invented John Cena. So that helped him. But then what really made him the the center of the universe was he was the one who went up to Vince McMahon and said, I want to be the guy here. Tell me what I have to do. And so no one since then has ever made such a grand gesture to Vince until now when I'm sure it was like all these millennials who didn't want it enough and then Vince was like, oh, hey, Roman Reigns, do you want the brass ring? <laughs> and Roman was like, uh, yes. So he was like, finally, that's the initiative I want to see. <laughs> yeah, it, isn't it funny, the notion that, like, nobody except for Roman Reigns really wanted it? Like, like CM Punk didn't go out there and reach for the brass ring. Right. Like, Correct. That's, like, I mean, I can't think of a guy who did it more than CM Punk, as a matter of fact. Who seemed to care so much about, like... <laughs> being booked in uh, important, prominent positions. Yeah, I think actually secretly, when WWE says that guys didn't reach for the brass ring, I think what they secretly mean is they don't play mean enough pranks on nerds. That's <laughs> 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 what it seems like to me anyway. I don't know. That is eminently plausible. Oh, well. So there's the famous wrestling lore of Hogan and Warrior in WrestleMania 6 and how, you know, not six months later, they were like, oops, never mind. We got to go back to Hulk Hogan so he can lay some of them golden eggs. We were we were sadly mistaken here, even though we were so sure of ourselves. So do you think that's going to happen with uh, Roman Reigns and John Cena? And if when, when? Um, 
I think if it's going to happen, it'll be by SummerSlam. Latest. Um, and I think, yes, it's going to happen. <laughs> what do you think? I'm rooting for it to happen because, again, you messed with me. I'll send one of yours to the morgue. That's my thought process right now. Is like the battle lines have been drawn and uh, completely irrationally. I will uh, encourage his demise. Do you think that Daniel Bryan's going to get ever get another shot to be the to be the man? I do. I think he's got that Bret Hart cockroach quality. Uh, but like, not just to be like a man, but to be like the man. As the sign in Japan said for Batista pre WrestleMania 21, the next great man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to hedge my bets and say no. Yeah, me too. Cool. Well, I will say one other thing is that you, I know, sort of, and me too, grumbled a little bit that that Dave Meltzer would always kind of um, play both sides of the whole Daniel Bryan conundrum. And and after, with that uh, magical issue from a few weeks ago, we got Dave back. We got Dave on our side, full bore. So, welcome back, Dave. Thank you. Um, Dave doesn't want to be one of the dumb shits. So that was it. It was, you know, what I think does it though is, for one, he he talks directly to people in the inner circle there. Maybe Paul himself. So he uh, can just be like, well, unfortunately, this is exactly what they told me. So, and at the other hand, with him too, those Twitter interactions must bedevil people because he must be inundated with like, don't they see that the new Stone Cold is right here, and they don't want to have a new Stone Cold? Why? Why new Stone Cold? <laughs> So Dave's natural instincts for facts and figures makes him stand against that. But it, it was always weird because Dave, uh, as an editorial voice, was always such like a, a meritocracy guy, whether it was um, uh, Ric Flair or Brian Tillman even before the heel turn or Benoit Jericho in WCW or Ric Flair or Benoit Jericho in WWF or Ric Flair in <laughs> WWF. <laughs> Or even Punk up in, with his run. So, or um, for, um, um, uh, Ric Flair. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it's good that Dave finally came out and said what people wanted him to say this whole time, which is like, this is the correct answer and this is the incorrect answer. Yeah, but the but the problem is that as he was saying it, he was also like the doctor breaking the news of a death of a loved one <laughs> to everybody. So, ah. <laughs> Um, we will cover this next March, I guess. Maybe we'll be happy then. Yeah, and, what if and, I just... and, and I think, you know, I mean, if things get that interesting, I see no reason why we can't come back in a month or two and just do a post-WrestleMania recap like we did last year. Um, but this was a delight for me. Matt, thank you so much. Thank you. And, um, yeah, I'm, I don't take wrestling that seriously. <laughs> I don't actually care. Could care less. No investment, and nor do you, right? No, no. Who would who would watch who would watch that fake stuff? Right. All right. Great. Anyway, wrestling is bad. We're terrible. What a bad, what a bad choice we made on the whole. Thanks, Matt. Goodbye. And what will you do now, my blue-eyed son? And what'll you do now, my darling young one? I'm a-going back out for the rain starts a-falling 
I'll walk to the depths of the deepest dark forest Where the people are many and their hands are all empty Where the pellets of poison are flooding their waters Where the home in the valley meets the damp, dirty prison And the executioner's face is always well hidden Where hunger is ugly, where the souls are forgotten Where black is the color, where none is the number And I'll tell it and speak it and think it and breathe it And reflect from the mountains so all souls can see it And I'll stand on the ocean until I start sinking But I'll know my song well before I start singing And it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard And it's a hard, it's a hard rains are gonna fall That was a sip pause that I mistimed. Um, it's, a, it's a sip pause, like a suppository. 